So hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome back to the Return of Ritual online show. I am Amber Winston, and if you've been listening to this for a while, you know kind of the, the background behind my mission with Return of Ritual. And if you're new, you know, Return of Ritual was really inspired by wanting to remember who I really was. And so I felt like by really engaging in sacred ritual and ceremony, I was able to kind of peel back layers of the onion and actually remember who I was before society kind of took over and did all of this conditioning. So that's a little bit in a nutshell, but for today, I am really excited. We have a beautiful, beautiful guest with us. She is a tea goddess, in my opinion, um, and I'd like to welcome to the show, Jade. Thank you, Amber. I find always funny niches as a tea goddess because, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's just something with the word masculine goddess that I'm still learning to be, you know, accepting, kind of understanding. Um, my practice is really to be with nature and I feel that nature is so transient. Mm -hmm. So I feel that the word mastering is quite difficult to attain in a way since nature is unceasingly just dancing and changing and transforming itself. So it's lovely, but at the same time, I'm like, mm, I don't know. You mean the tea goddess? You don't feel like you resonate with the word tea goddess? I I'm just always been just so humbled by this practice and by this land. I think you know I think that Camus and this is such an ancient plant. She's four thousand years old, so mm. there's definitely something when I hear these words. I I'm just you know in my thirties, and so I feel that the experience of life is so full of transformation and it's just hard to to be associating myself with those words in a way but yeah yeah, yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally totally understand it's always a journey and we're always learning yeah. nature is the biggest teacher and 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 yeah i can see um and you know i feel like so many words these days have kind of a, a meaning behind them you know i'm uh, the word wild you know kind of is having a meaning and the word um, witch carries a lot of meaning, right? And so it's it's always really interesting to kind of look at what we resonate with and what we don't resonate with. So so let me make sure that I, I introduce Jade in the most appropriate way that feels good to her. Um, so I wanna read her bio to you guys so that you guys just have a little bit of an understanding of who she is. Um, so she, Jade is a Chadao practitioner. She's a tea resource. She's a writer and a facilitator of tea experiences. She has been exploring the way of tea, meditation, holistic health, and nature for the past 11 years. She founded the project WAOT, which stands for We Are One Tea, um, an online tea store and community offering consciously sourced tea, teaware, and accessories, a variety of tea offerings such as a tea course, tea meditation, ceremonies, and tea travel experiences, which just sounds so exciting to me. Um, she is the co-creator of the book Tea, Remembering the Essence of Life, and she recently opened a tea space in the center of Taos, New Mexico. And is that where you're sitting right now? Yeah, that's the tea space. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It looks so fabulous. And so that's such an amazing thing to have brought into this world and to open up. And um, if anybody is listening to this that's in that area, I would definitely encourage you to go and check it out. 
Um, so Jade, I want to start with just kind of a light question because I'm always curious. What is your astrology sign? My, my, you mean my Western astrology sign? Yes. Okay. I'm a Gemini. My sun sign. And then do you do the Vedic as well? No. Gosh, I have so much amazing sisters around me that does. I should definitely do it. I'm more into the Chinese fantasy charts. Okay. And also look at the Western ones sometimes, but I've been closer to the Vazi Chinese charts these days. It's been feeling resonating because it's linked to elements of nature. Yeah. So, so well, I'm doing the Western ones here as well. But, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the Chinese charts? So the Chinese chart, the Vazi chart, is um, it's similar. You need to know your, you know, date of birth, the time, and it gives you. An heavenly stem and an earthly stem. So the two forces of that is what basically it gives you an element linked to what you show to the world and an element linked to what is deeper within yourself. And then there's an element um, for the hour you were born, the day you were born, the month you were born, the year you were born. And then each element also have a yin and a yang force linked to it. So it's super complex and each either either the day or the time or the month it's it's linked to something and you're either the way you relate to people the way you um what inspires you in life so they're all kind of linked to something specific in your life so i've been really really um as i work with he kind of leaving also that um philosophy through the practice of tea because each tea are also dominated by an element so it's helping you to maybe choose which tea you want to sit with according to if you are maybe dominant of fire in your chart or wood in your chart so oh that's a, that sounds so um holistic that you could actually be drawn to a certain tea to help maybe pacify something that's it's almost it reminds me a little bit of ayurveda a little bit and then also a little bit of um kind of classical feng shui you know where we work with the elements in the home and all of that i've never done actually my own um chinese astrology which that sounds really kind of i feel like that would be really insightful because you know western is is good but i think you just want to go a little bit deeper the more you kind of explore these things they're all languages that basically share the very same essence it's just different way of explaining it different words but yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so now I want to ask you kind of, I would love for you to walk us through, you know, what would your ideal morning kind of ritual look like? Or evening, mm. if you have maybe an evening ritual or morning. I, I'm definitely a morning person. I love to rise in the sun. So right now I rise about 5.30 every morning. Um, it kind, of, it kind of changed when I do teach in the morning, I will maybe skip my morning practice or do it at the tea space when I'm here before, just before I enter into teaching. Um, and I usually teach pretty early too. So that's also why I start my year really early. I love these days because of the element of fire being dominant to just jump in a very cold shower. Um, Sometimes also jump in a cold river around here if I have a river. There's a lot of sakya on our land, so it's just kind of a, a nice little um, body of water just running through the land, and it's really cold. So I love just walking, putting my feet in it in the morning, just mm. to yeah, just to it's in movement, so there's just constant flow and chi. So I love just allowing my body to receive that in the morning. Um, 
I usually take really my time to rise. So I'm really slow, but I love to rise early. And then I come to the space. And when I do my tea practice, my self practice before I teach, I will just basically sit either just with a bowl or um, depending on the course that I have, I will, I will be using the ritual and the, the tools that I'm going to be using for the ritual night because there's different form of ritual tea. So depending on the chapter I'm teaching, then I will be sitting with the, um, the ritual that I will, I'm about to teach to just take a moment to sit with the leaf and with the practice. So. Beautiful. I love, I love the idea of rising with the sun. I love the idea of getting out in nature, you know, right away. Um, and so, you know, for anybody who's listening to this, maybe that's just a beautiful invitation that maybe you just step outside into your back garden and put your soles of the feet in the earth or you just get outside as soon as you can. I feel like that's really great um, for your circadian rhythm as well, right? If you're, you're rising with the sun, and you're getting outside and the, the sun is coming into your eyes, it's kind of signaling to your body, like, okay, let's get things going. I have always been, um, it's been harder for me to get going in the morning. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I naturally don't like raising, rising very early. Um, but over time, as I've established different practices, I really enjoy the morning time. I feel like that, 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 that liminal hour is just so magical and so beautiful now that I don't want to miss it. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting up before my husband and I'm sitting outside and I'm just listening to nature and it becomes mm -hmm. such a beautiful time for myself. Um, so hopefully that's a nice invitation to the listeners to carve out some of that time, that beautiful time and just get outside. And if you have water near, nearby, man, what an amazing thing, right? Getting in the water. Especially oh. when you live in the desert because it's just so dry right now. So we're so grateful for that little, any little body of water. And they come from the snow melt, so they're still really, really cold and so full of chi and life force. So, yeah, it's just definitely the best medicine right now. Oh, there, so. Amazing. Um, so now I'd like to understand a little bit about, maybe you can share how um, sacred ritual or tea ritual or tea ceremony has been a part of your own healing journey or your own spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've met this plan about 11 years ago. It was just after, well, I met this plan before that very big change in my life happened. But then when my mother passed in 2010, I was just feeling that I was drawn to Asia for some reason. So I went to Asia and was just really guided by some sort of intuition. Didn't really know where I was going. I ended up in Malaysia and Penang and um, met with someone who became a tea brother, became really dear to me, and he was carrying this practice because his family um, are, they have plantations for many generations, and he's just been sitting with tea since he was really young, practicing Qigong every day, they do the teacher, and he was just, he was much younger than me, but he felt like such an ancient soul, and I felt just so, so inspired by his practices. So um, we spent time together sitting with his teachers and sat in Gulf Fucha, which is one of the ritual that I practice today and teach. Um, his, his ancestors are from Shaozhou, which is the birthplace of Gong Fucha in China. So there was a lot of just precious alignment in meeting that person and just really, okay. And now I felt, I wasn't sure, but I did feel in that time that although I was practicing 
practicing other things and I was also um, getting training yoga and all just following so many other practices, I felt that tea was more my language. And so it became my language to communicate anything else that I was basically studying. It, it's funny because it's a silent language. It's a, it's a language that exists beyond words and beyond um, any form. And so it's interesting to be feeling this is my language, but it, it became the reason why I wanted to connect and serve my community. Mm. Um, at first, I was just really in a very long time self-practice without sharing it. I took It took me a really long time to feel ready to even share this practice. It's a practice that has such an ancient, ancient history. And so I'm someone who really needs to get to know something to really respect and honor the lineage, honor the original carriers of it, mm. spend time with a lot of people, a lot of different teachers to really feel that it was time for me to start sharing it. Mm. Um, so it took me oh, six, seven years to even share it in a group for the first time. And it was because I was called to do it by someone. Someone said, do you want to offer tea? I know you practice that for a long time. Do you want to offer tea on my retreat? So that invitation was for me an occasion to realize that, okay, maybe it's time to start serving and start sharing. So, but at first when it was my self-practice, I was just raving every morning and sitting with that plant. I was more compelled to sit with an aged tea that are carrying more of an earth element medicine at that time. I think I needed more of that grounding. And um, that was my first practice with tea. I was also drawn to certain um, certain type of, of fire elements, tea, so oxidized tea that were more yin, that were more comforting and just art opening. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, it was my, I was carrying my little guy one everywhere around the world because at that time I was also just kind of a nomad living in different areas and not really knowing where I wanted to settle. And so I had just a little guy one, which is a, a bowl with a lid. I have one there, but it's super small. It's a very teeny vessel that you use for gong fu, but you can actually drink from it too. So if you don't want to have too much vessels, that could be your only little vessel. So, um, I remember people, my friends, just being curious about this practice and starting to, of course, share with them and then eventually being invited to serve on this retreat and feeling that that was, that was time for me to put myself out there and to create wild tea, which then for me are one because people were also asking me, where can I source tea that are consciously um, our best? And I know there's so much options out there, but I don't really know what is safe, what is, you know, actually honoring the medicine mm -hmm. so I felt that that was needed I did feel that there was not enough tea on there that we um that didn't have that big large distance between the source and the experience and I, I love just working directly from the source working directly from the farmers mm -hmm. to to for us to get closer to the source to have a better idea of you know who are the people behind those leaves? Or where, what is the land behind those leaves? And what's, so I, I took a while to spend time in China and Japan to start learning from people that grow the plant and source tea. Um, and eventually now I'm now teaching the course that is, um, I feel a good way for people to get to know the story behind the leaves. A lot of people were seeing on social media this practice without really knowing 
what's your story and that it's definitely super important if you want to carry your practice to make it in medicine to know when to yeah to explore a story so yeah I, I find this so fascinating because if I just think about um a typical person they their probably knowledge of tea would probably be black tea or green tea like that's kind of maybe what people would think about like um and you know god forbid they're using a keurig you know coffee maker thing with the plastic you know disposables which is so wasteful for the planet so for a typical person who isn't very much into tea but has some knowledge like yeah there's black tea or there's kind of green tea um can you just talk a little bit about like how big tea actually is and, and how um, maybe there's more varieties that you can sit with and maybe some of your favorites or if somebody's interested in trying something new that might be something that they want to explore, like what kind of tea would you recommend for somebody? I could do an entire chapter on that. Well, there is an entire chapter of my course on that. So that's chapter two. Um, <laughs> So yeah, tea, one of the most mysterious discoveries of tea is that all the tea we know are coming from the same plant. It's not a different plant that produces green and that produces what we call black tea in the Western world, which actually the Chinese would never call black tea, they would say red tea. Um, and the reason for that is that technically black tea is an entirely oxidized tea. So a green tea is not oxidized, but oolong is semi-oxidized and a black tea or a red tea is entirely oxidized. So from there, we understand that the leaf can, can go through different transformation in a process that make her become different types of tea. So it's all the very same plant, Camellia sinensis. And there's different varieties of it today because of also all the cultivation that was done. There was just different hybrid version of the the mother plant that were trans that were brought in different countries. That in other plants, for example, Japan, Japan, the first seed of tea was brought by humans. So it was not a plant that was part of the ecosystem. Most countries, basically, the only countries where the plant was part of the ecosystem was just always there. It was discovered four thousand years ago as China, and supposedly also the east and northeast of India had similar plants as well. But it took them a very long time to even find them. So we have green tea, which is non-oxidized. We have oolong, which is semi-oxidized. We have red and purple, which are fully oxidized. And then we have aged tea. The tea that are aged, the tea that were aged during, a, during the tea horse road trade. So it's a big, important trade industry um, that unites basically the first road was to um, connect China with Tibet to trade tea for horses. Between the end of the Tang Dynasty, that's about the 8th century in China. And so basically, during that time, there was one day a lot of rain poured on the leaves and the leaves started fermenting. So they, through that accident, discovered that they could actually ferment the leaves as well. So now they, were, they discovered through that experience, <clears throat> sorry, another type of tea that in the Western world we mostly know by Puerto. So guerre is a fermented aged tea, but there's so many other types of fermented aged tea in China that cannot be called puerh because they don't come from Yunnan, which is the south. <clears throat> in order for <clears throat> so sorry, in order for a tea to be called puerh, it has to come from a very specific plant that you only find in the south. In the south of China. 
in the south of China, in Yunnan, because this cult of this type of plant is much bigger, uh, bigger leaves, um, and just the climate, the soil, everything that is being present there is basically originated poor. There is other region of China that is um, a smaller type of the Camellia sinensis that also um, make HT and they're just differently made. They have different process. Even Japan make HT, even mm -hmm. there's other countries that make HT. And then Puer has actually two types of puer. One type of puer is being aged by itself naturally with time. So basically you would keep your puer aging in a warehouse that has controlled temperature for a very long time. And it gets better with time, just like a good wine. So it would get better 20, 30, 50, 60 years versus the other type of puer, which we call show puer. And this one is, is kind of forced to age faster. We're gonna force the process a little faster so we can be ready to sell it. And that was a very good, um, that was a type of tea that was really popular in the Western world because we are so impatient and we don't wanna wait 20 years. So that type of puer was created in the 80s to sell to the Western world so we could have an aged tea, a fermented tea that doesn't require to wait. And so, that's definitely a more, um, I would say, earth element tea. So any, what, when, when we explore all those processes, we feel that sometimes because of the transformation, they become dominant of an element of nature. When you sit with them, they sit somewhere in your body. And that's how I work with tea, basically. So when I choose to sit or serve a tea for a different occasion, I will be choosing it according to the element that is dominated in this tea, and maybe that's going to be addressed in a specific, you know, time of the year or a group of people or just a specific subject we're trying to work with. So aged fermented tea or earth, um, oxidized tea or fire, non-oxidized tea or wood, and then we have white tea, which is water, and white tea is very gentle and delicate, and it's barely touched and transformed. It's just sun-dried, and there's barely any transformation to it. So it's very water, it's very yielding, it's very soft, it's very gentle. And then we have yellow tea, which is another type of tea that is a very different, kind of a, its own category by itself, but I would kind of put it closer to green tea. It does go through a similar process than green tea, but it's slightly different. It's very rare. Yellow tea is rare to find. It used to be much more rare. Now more people are trying to produce yellow tea, but yellow, the authentic yellow tea has to originate from a specific mountain from Hunan region, which is in the center of China. Now today more people are producing yellow tea, but it's not the original authentic one which used to be only um, reserved to the empire. So wow. another reason why we wouldn't really have the chance to sit with yellow tea. That's maybe why more people are trying to um, produce it because there's a beautiful story behind it. There's a legend that the tea actually danced and the guy won. And so there's so many legends and story about tea in China. That's really, you know, uh, this tea helps, you know, someone to heal from. This and, and so there's always they love telling me stories about their tea and that's mm -hmm. also another magical thing because it's such an ancient ancient plant so there's definitely a lot to say and a lot to learn it 
that's amazing. Have you, could, maybe you could share a, maybe a personal experience for you where one of these T types, um, maybe you were called to a specific one at a specific time that was really helping heal or provide um, benefits, maybe physically, emotionally, spiritually. Is there one that you were kind of called to at a certain point in your life? So I really definitely started my practice with Puerh. So because that's the first day I was even served in a gongfusha, more of a ceremonial environment. So, um, and I was actually gifted a puer even before I went to Asia, but I, I felt weird at first receiving it. I was, that was before my mother's passing and I guess I was just not ready for it. Mm -hmm. So someone started to me and I didn't really understood it at first. Like it felt, it felt like I, my body remembered it. So when I came, I went back and I was in the right place, then my body remembered it and I really wanted to go back to it. And suddenly it, it made more sense. Mm -hmm. I was more available to receive it. Um, so Puera was definitely my first. It's really earth. It's really grounding. Um, that was my first preferred tea. But in today's time, and it just keeps changing because the season keeps changing and my body keeps changing. And so my preferred one keeps changing too. I will just mostly be into sitting with the tea of the season we're in, or if I feel that there's three different ways I address that. So for example, we just got into fire element season, right, summer. So I would either sit with fire and just honor the movement of fire or if it's too overwhelming i might sit with water yeah to conserve the fire and prevent it from overflowing if i feel that the fire is not strong enough which is not the case this year but for example if it was not strong enough i would sit with a generating element which is wood just to generate more of it so it's kind of our approach choosing selecting my favorite of the moment which again keeps changing oh it's changing yeah well and it's so amazing to hear um how sometimes tea finds you it sounds like you know you were kind of given the puer to start with and maybe at that time you just the the earth element was so soothing for you after maybe what you had gone through with your mother passing mm -hmm. so it just it's so amazing to have I think that story really speaks to how we're just, if we just remain open and, and the guides come to us, the things come into our lives and we're always saying yes to things. It's just amazing hearing your story and how you've kind of been led you know, to China of all places yeah. and that you remember this. It's like familiar for you, you know, I just uh, think that's so fascinating. Yeah, I know. It's, when I think about it, I would have never thought about this when I was younger, you know, when I was growing up, that, that was, that would have been, I would have been doing. Um, I always felt that I wanted to serve in a way. I always felt, I was born on the yin fire day, so I have a lot of need of, like, opening my heart to others and serving others. So I was in this. my mom wanted me to be a nurse, so I thought about it at first, but then just felt that the health system, the way it is, would have been a bit challenging for me. Um, I've studied so many different holistic practices, but I just felt at some point that my language was definitely tea. So mm. that was just my way of serving. And it's not like I tried to even, um, it really it really came to me when I was in, in Penang, Malaysia, and just you know, wandering in the street and just opening that door and meeting Jen, my key brother, who was like, come, come, I want to share 
I want to share this practice with you. And I'm like, what is that? And then just, you know, slowly getting to sit more and with different people around the world and meeting her in her own land and um, just different plantations and hearing different stories and just feeling that she starts, like I, I'm starting to embody her energy in a way. It's just a way of life. And yeah. Okay. I love I love hearing your story because mine is a little bit different in the sense that my parents are both British and so as you know the British culture are big tea fanatics and they you know I don't know all the history but I imagine they you know got the trade coming to them and um and so culturally the British drink a lot of black tea right and I remember growing up and my mom and dad always having tea. It was like tea in the morning, tea at 11, tea at four. And I, I like rebelled against it. I was like, I don't know what this tea thing is that you're doing, but I'm not doing that. And here I was being raised in Southern California. So I didn't really quite understand why they were drinking so much tea. It was so hot out. And, um, and it wasn't until I got older that I recognized that for them sitting in bed, together when they woke up and sipping on their tea of choice was a way to commune with each other. You know, they'd look at the view out the window and they'd sit up in bed and they'd have their tea and they'd connect and they'd talk. And, and so as I, as I got older, I realized that by stopping and making a hot beverage of your choice, it becomes so sacred. And if you put the awareness into it and you carve out the time and you enjoy and you commune with the tea that you're drinking and and so that was kind of my journey I kind of rebelled against it now I'm like oh my gosh I want to learn more you know because that limited British you know view of tea is it's very limited and I would love to learn more you know about what you've learned it's like where does the plant actually come from and how can we brew it and what are the different ways to brew the tea um, so maybe what you could do next is just give us like a brief 101 on like water temperature does it matter do you have to put it at a temperature what kind of tools do you have like maybe just you know show us a couple of things to get people excited that is an entire course that you're asking me to show <laughs> the, the water the water temperature depends on the tea you're serving um it's all things that are kind of difficult to answer you know on a very general level hmm. so when I, I can maybe share a way to start. Yeah. Very simply. Yeah. So the course that I teach, we start very simply with a bowl. So that's, I mean, I have it just right in front of me. Um, so basically you can start by just keeping your leaves directly in your bowl. You don't even need any other vessels. You're connecting with just the essence of tea, which is water and leaves. And you steep your preferred tea. Sometimes the tea that would be better to steep in a bowl um, would be leaves that are larger and longer, so they don't fall in your mouth. Mm -hmm. But you know that's we're gonna always make it work. If we have leaves that are smaller, we can use two bowls and then use a strainer. And we steep in one, we transfer in the other one. Very simple. I love a bowl that can fit in both my hands, so about that size. It can even be just like a rice bowl. It doesn't have to be a tea bowl. Um, and I love that there's no end all. So there's no distraction. I can just fully connect and put it in the middle of my hands. And I would just basically put the leaves about, you know, two teaspoons in this 
quantity of water. And as the water is hot, and sit in meditation as it's steep, and see it opening from my eyes because there's no closed vessel. And really, um, you know, the type of tea that I would suggest starting with that are easier because the temperature doesn't really matter too much, and the time of duration is not so sensitive. Certain types of olong, um, I'm thinking about one particularly, um, a gaba olong, which is loving to speak a little longer so if you forget and you're just in your own little meditation space and you forget that it's steeping it's not going to be becoming too bitter it's going to be loving that moment of soak and and opening so there's definitely tea that are less sensitive if you speak plan a little longer that you can be more you know starting to get to know the practice without being worried too much of keeping it too long or too high temperature so, so usually, yeah, certain olongs, um, you can even do it with chauffeur. If you have a chauffeur that comes in a bean shop, it's a compressed cake. You can just put a little bit of that piece of cake, break it, put it in your bowl. And pu'er is also a bit forgiving if you keep it a little too long and it's very not sensitive to high temperature. The chauffeur, the really brown one. The chauffeur is the one that was forced to age faster. So usually much darker in color. And so um, that's, you know, a way to start. I and if you just want to sit with herbal tea, same thing. You can just sit with herbal tea, but then you might just want to steep it a little longer because herb, certain herbal tea wants to be steeped five or 10 minutes. Yeah. So, and so you, would you recommend for somebody who's starting out, you know, that they have their bowl and they they're steeping their tea and then they drop into a meditation for and 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 then maybe you could describe a little bit about what you're doing in that or what you're observing like are you communing with the leaves are you getting downloads like mm. or are you just remaining open and just enjoying the experience there's a lot of that openness in the practice of tea of not trying to do anything just letting the plant communicate with you and tea always meets you where you are in the moment so that's important it's just a reminder of presence it's an invitation of presence so as i let as i pour the water on top of my leaf i'm assisting this moment of infusion just by breathing being present to it i start by just recentering myself and observing my breath just observing any movement in myself how my breath is doing and then eventually I will just maybe scan my body from just any part of my cell that is closer to the earth all the way to the top of my head and remembering all the space above my head of the unknown and going back in my center and just sitting back in my breath and just creating more space for receiving whatever is there for me right now. And then slowly connecting with my bowl and observing the color the bowl closer to me and starting to connect with maybe the aroma and then receiving the bowl in silence and I love to um, really take my time each time I receive a sip just even moving in my mouth and letting all my taste bud awaken because there's so many subtle aroma compound in tea and little souls and just you know allowing your entire mouth connecting with it and receiving it and as I'm done it puts usually a bowl back in front of me and I take a moment to just observe all the wisdom of the teas communicating with my own wisdom. So it's just gonna maybe, depending on the elements of the tea that you're sitting with, sits stronger somewhere and might invite you to bring your attention somewhere in your body. It's, it's gonna be warm, it's gonna be 
maybe you're just going to start sweating too. Um, but tea really, there's two forces in tea. There's steam, which brings the movement, kind of connect with the triple warmer Mary did. It's just unlock any stagnation and just bring balance in your body. So it's going to go where the body needs it. And then you have L-tanine and GABA, which also calm your central nervous system at the same time. So it's just being aware of that process, just being aware of the movement, and just returning to it. And again, re observing how much there's also changes in every single bowl. Mm -hmm. In every single moment, there's going to be a new occasion to rediscover and to remember. Yeah, so fascinating. Um, what would you... Because I'm very curious, because um, you said that the black tea is the oxidized tea and that it's the, more of the fire element. So any oxidized tea or fire, so either oolong with lighter oxidation, you have higher oxidation along, and then black tea, which is red tea. Red tea. They are fully oxidized. They're oh. oxidized at like 90-95%. Okay. I just find that so interesting that, you know, a, an island such as England, where it rains a lot, everybody would be drinking this oxidized tea, which is the fire element. I'm, I'm just curious to see, like, if, if I wonder if intuitively they just latched on to that specific tea because it was bringing so much warmth and fire to them when they were so cold in the rain. I mean, I'm There's just- There's a legend, there's a legend that say that the first shipment of tea was sent to, uh, the Western world was sent to the North Sea and to England and the areas and also all in. And so it was the first time tea was going on such a long journey and the way of packaging tea was not yet, the you know, the most developed as we have today. So they thought they were, getting green tea that's what they discovered in china but it oxidized <laughs> during the travel and when it arrived in, in in the north sea and they opened the package they saw those black leaves because they were oxidized and they just call it black tea and so that's the legend but supposedly that's how they discovered it and just made sense with them and they just loved it and they yeah. started adding bergamot and just different other herbs lavender and who knows who knows but that kind of makes sense. Maybe it's a way for them to remember the sun energy, to remember the fire energy, to right. just for themselves and a climate that is really, really, really dominated by water, for sure. Right. Yeah, that's so fascinating. <laughs> I love that there's legends and I love that we can kind of divine this information because I think as a young girl, intuitively, I just didn't want oxidized black tea. Like I, I just didn't want to participate in that. And here I am growing up in a really hot place, right? Not as hot as New Mexico, but um, I think that it's cold in the winter here, but it's super snowy. We have it's very, very water element in the winter. It's wow. very, you know, snowpack and stillness versus the South California, so. which is like always we're yeah. always hot. We're always in Yang, and I'm and I was just like too much, too much, too much for me. Um, so I love that you've been able to share a little bit about each of the different types of tea and then the element that they relate to. Because if somebody is feeling intuitively like, oh, you know, I need a little bit more water energy or I need a little bit more grounding earth energy. Um, I think it's been really wonderful that you've outlined the different kind of types of tea that might suit mm -hmm. somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so that has been really fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's going to be in the book. <laughs> so 
The book was, the edition of the book was mostly inspired by our chapter, the chapter three of the key course, which is the elemental wisdom of key. And so Laura Menker and I, Laura is the art director of the book and she's doing the photos. We want to create a beautiful tea table book, not a coffee table book, um, with just a chapter for each element with images that really embody the elements, a tea meditation that is linked to every element and just a descri general description of what this element is representing in your life. So that's basically the book. And we also, from that, created an audio tea meditation for um, people to just be able to sit with it at home. So it's one, it's in French and English, because my first language is French, that's why I have a little accent. Um, so basically there's a meditation for each element and people can have, there's a tea practice linked to it and they can, with the tea at home and just go through it and so mm. sounds amazing uh, how can people find this how can they get a hold of you what are the best on ways my website, on my website wildtea.com there's all those offerings are there the book the tea meditation the tea of course like all the tea um there is one tea collection called the five alignment tea collection if you don't know what tea choosing that could be a good tea to start a good a good offering to start with because it's basically one tea, a little package of each element that you can sit with and discover. So that's, mm. I love it. It's amazing. And we will, I'll link to um, Jade's website um, in the show notes so that you guys can check that out. And she has been so grac gracious to offer a discount to anybody that listens to this interview. So that's fantastic. Um, a 15% discount. So we'll figure out how we can do that. And I I'll generate, yeah, I, I will generate and give it to you so you can share that. Perfect. So we'll generate a code and if anybody's interested in checking out what she has. I certainly am very interested. Um, but I feel like there's so much wisdom in this plant that has been um, neglected almost or in the West or maybe not not explored in this way. You know, so many people are so unconscious in the morning, like put on the coffee maker, drink the coffee, go to work, you know, and, and I, what I love about what you're doing, Jade, is that you're just really bringing so much beauty and intention to connecting with nature and connecting mm -hmm. with the planet. And I just love that. And I feel like so many people can gain so much wisdom by just slowing down and stopping connecting mm -hmm. to nature and connecting to this beautiful plant medicine that you explored mm -hmm. no it's um, definitely a language a language to remember the different phases of nature and we so often um forget and that's really the only way we can be in alignment is when we remember those phases mm -hmm. they're within themselves they're within every every life and so to be to be in sync with the greater collective to be in sync with the great way of nature those practices are really important. And I, I find that for people that during, you know, uh, COVID and we, the lockdown couldn't go in nature in person, didn't really have, they were in the city, they didn't really have access to nature even from their windows. All they had was maybe one tree, um, which is sometimes enough, but practice like, like tea and like sitting with the elements really allowed them to remember nature within themselves as they couldn't go over there, so. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and thank you for the work that you're doing and bringing this wisdom to so many people. I just, I thank you for that because I think it's so, so powerful. Um, if there's any last kind of words or wisdom on your heart that you'd like to 
to share before we wrap up? Anything that wants to come through? I think that, you know, the thing I already said before, he always meet you where you are. So I think that's a very important remind, reminder for all of us that um, whatever is enlivening our heart is the right path. So if we feel something in ourselves, it's, it's worth just observing and honoring. So in times where we're just overwhelmed by so much and so much information, and we get kind of confused about all, like what's the truth, what's our truth, just sensing, taking a moment to sit and remember and observe whatever is there is always going to be the right thing to do. So, mm. I think I needed to hear that too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jade. It's been such an honor chatting with you. And um, if anybody is in the Taos area or planning a visit there, I would highly recommend getting a chance to sit and enjoy the tea with her. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you.